Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, anybody who uh, <clears throat> is feeling overwhelmed uh, with everything that's going on in life right now, I hope uh, that you can take a step back and listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, listen to our different broadcasts, and get good Catholic doctrine and Catholic ideas. And that, and that way we can think like Catholics, we can live like Catholics, we can be Catholics, and at the end of the day, we can keep it Catholic. Today we're going to have a great show for you on, in terms of marriage. Anybody who was tuning into my show last week saw that I was able to bring in my lovely wife and my son to the show, and we talked a little bit about what it was to be married um, in terms of you know, just in our relationship, just how you have to kind of balance life and deal with the unexpected. Even on the show, normally my little guy can kind of sit quietly and he was, you know, being a rambunctious little dude. And I think that that's great. It shows he was healthy. But if you're going to try to have a show like that, you better be flexible and you better be able to uh, account for things. And I think that that's more of a metaphor for life. You know, we always have to be flexible. We don't know what's going to come our way. We make our best, our best plans and then God decides uh, what the best way for a uh, best way of action is. But to start off today's shows, like always today, we're going to talk a little bit more about marriage, but today's show is, you know, my spouse is not enough. When my spouse is not enough, what's going on with that? I got married and all of a sudden my spouse is not enough. How's that possible? Right? We got married and we got married forever, but then there might be something missing. Well, we're going to talk about a patient case today. Um, a couple's case of a couple who I saw a few years back, actually, it was a little while ago, but it was interesting uh, with the theme of marriage. Uh, my wife and I were talking about on the way home from the last show, and I thought that'd be a good follow-up show to do because sometimes we got to be realistic about marriage and what we can expect about it versus our preconceived notions about what marriage should be. But before we talk about that, let's go ahead and start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, o Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, you know, the topic for today's uh, show, interesting title, right? So when your spouse is not enough, what's going on with that? Why would my spouse not be enough? 
It's an interesting thought because when we get married, we have this romantic idea. We see it in shows. We see it in movies. We see it even in kids, fairy tale cartoons. You know, we get married, uh, the spouse, the woman says yes to the proposal. And then you go off and you live in the clouds and you live your life forever in happiness. And never do you have any problems you imagine because they lived, as they say in the fairy tales, happily ever after. But what does happily ever after really mean? It really depends. And if we notice, you know, we talk about divorce rate, divorce rates being 50% or more, uh, depending on where you're looking at in the world. If you're looking at couples who are no longer getting married, everybody's just kind of living together or having these interesting relationships, um, it can get really interesting. And, and then we wonder, well, but wait a minute, aren't we just supposed to get married to our spouse and, and be happily ever after? What What's going on? Why do we divert from that in society? Well, actually, there were a couple of cases. So one of them was a couple who I saw a long time ago. Um, and they'd been married for about, I want to say seven or eight years. They were in their thirties, um, in their late thirties. And so they got married probably late twenties, early thirties. And I was, uh, speaking to the, the wife was my patient first and she was telling me how, you know, she just didn't feel happy in her marriage. There was no abuse. There was no sense that the, the husband was not attentive. In fact, she said, you know, I think there's, there's just nothing wrong. And she kind of felt like, that's wrong in and of itself. She said, there's nothing wrong in my marriage. I'm not sure what to tell you, but I'm just not happy. I'm not fulfilled. She said, my husband is great. He come, he goes to work. He comes home. He's there with the kids. They had three kids there. He's there for the kids. Um, you know, we do things together. We hang out, but I am just no longer feeling fulfilled. I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm part of this marriage. I don't feel like, um, we're a unit anymore. And so I would ask her, well, what happened? What's going on? She said, I don't know. Um, she didn't feel like she was doing anything wrong. She didn't feel like her husband was doing anything wrong. She said just their feel, the feeling was not there. And so she's attaching at this point feeling to the marriage. So by her definition of being happy in a marriage, we have to feel a certain way. So we had to explore this a little bit. And we said, well, I asked her, I said, so what is this feeling? What were you feeling when you got married? Why did you know it was right to get married? Or you felt like, oh yeah, I'm getting married. So this is good. Um, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Here we are seven, eight years later, hmm, kind of changed my mind. Now keep in mind when we say the rest of our lives, this is, this is a big commitment. So we're in it for the long haul. We don't anticipate that we're going to step out of the marriage, but, or end the marriage. But all of a sudden, seven, eight years later, she didn't have this feeling. So the feeling I said, well, when you got married, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? And she said, you know, gosh, I was so happy. I just knew that this was it for me. He was such a great guy. And I knew that I could fulfill my goals if I married him. And I said, okay, that's interesting because her feelings on marriage were attached to her life goals. Okay. So what was, what were her life goals? So we had to get into that. Okay. So now you're feeling happy because you can achieve your life goals. Well, what are your goals in life? What's your checkoff box? And she said, well, you know, like everybody else, she had a good career. Um, so she'd gone to, gone to school, gone to college, um, she, and she had a very, very good career. Um, she was not the primary breadwinner. Her husband had a good career too. She met him at the university. And so they were both independently had a good career. And she said, well, I'm supposed to have a career. I knew I wanted to have kids at least by the time I was 30. Um, and I knew that, you know, I wanted to have a house and, and, uh, be financially secure. And that was going to be a good, a good marriage because that's what we're told, right? So if I have all these things, if I check off the box, then things are right. And so we looked back and I said, well, but it seems like you already fulfilled that. So you, when you got married, you, you have kids, you drive very nice cars, you have a nice home and a nice neighborhood. Um, and that's it. So what, what more is there? And we 
drew this conclusion that we weren't exactly sure what I figured what was going on, but she wasn't sure what was going on. And so I told her, well, would you ever want to do couples counseling or something? Do you feel like there's something missing from your spouse on your spouse's end of things? And she said, you know, we could do that. We could try that to see what's missing in this marriage. And so they came in for a session of, of uh, just to speak to the, counsel, the the couple. I don't know that I would call it couples counseling, but we just had a session with the couple just to kind of give me a better idea before I drew any final conclusions as to what was happening for her um, in terms of, well, let's see what the dynamic is in the marriage because this is very important. A lot of times we think we have a good marriage or a good dynamic and people on the outside We'll see things that we don't see and we don't always accept that, right? And so we say, no, my marriage is perfect. My relationship's perfect. And people might see other things. So I thought, well, this will be interesting. Let's bring them in. Let's have them sit down. And sure enough, just like she said, they came in, nice guy. He was happy. He felt fulfilled. He felt like things were going great. Uh, he could see, recognize and see that they had good jobs. They had good cars. They had a, a nice family that had good kids and, and there didn't really seem to be anything wrong. And, and he felt fine, but he did say that she was distant and that he didn't know what to do for her or how to change that for her because, you know, he was being himself and this is the man she married. You know, he wasn't mean at all. He was, he was there and he was do, going through the motions, shall we say that we would expect. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He was going through the motions of life, right? We go through the motions in terms of, well, we get into a routine. I go to work. I'm there for the kids. I'm there for my spouse. We go on trips. And, and so on that end of things, it was fine. You know, I saw the couple and I thought, the re I don't understand exactly why she would feel this way. But at the same time, when I saw her the next time by herself, I said, okay, we got to talk about this. We got to see what your thoughts are on why you feel this way. And I said, you know, your husband's very nice. And just like you said, there doesn't seem to be anything missing. Um, and so what's going on with you? And she said, you know, after that session, I started to think about things and, um, she actually decided that maybe she was going to get a divorce really for no reason other than she wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I said, well, that's interesting. Okay. You want to get a divorce, um, because you're not feeling fulfilled. And as I was talking to her, I was hoping that she would come to this conclusion, but really what ended up happening, and this is what happens to a lot of people, you look on the outside and she's got the perfect life, but the reason she got married, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, was that it was part of her checkoff list. She had a list. So she didn't go into the marriage thinking, I'm going to be married and have a family, and I'm going to be part of a family, and I'm going to contribute to the family. For her, marriage was almost like a job or like a career goal, like I'm going to get a degree in school. And so this happens a lot of times where people, when they go in and they finish high school and they say, okay, now I want to get a degree in whatever subject major that they enjoy. And they'll go to undergrad and they'll get their degree and they'll finish the degree. And then they get into this, like, now what situation? They don't know what to do with it. They're, they get the degree and now they're supposed to find a job and they actually get depressed and they come to me and they get treatments for depression. So I always tell people, if you're about to reach a life goal, like you're going to graduate or you're going to get a certificate or you're going to accomplish something big. If they were experiencing depression or anxiety while they were doing that and we have them on medication, I always say, don't change your medication. They say, oh, I think I'm feeling good. I'm going to reach my goal. I think it's time to stop my medication. Don't change your medication just yet. You got to reach that goal first and then see how you feel because believe it or not, that's a great time to get depressed. We're going to come back from the break and we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened with this relationship and what was going on really in the back of the mind of this lady who did not feel fulfilled in her marriage.
All right. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Hope everybody's doing well today. Um, we are talking about marriage and really feeling unfulfilled in our marriages. My spouse is not enough. What happened when we were getting married? We thought this is going to be it. This is perfect. I don't need anything else. I don't need anybody else. I proposed to this person. I want to spend the rest of my life with them. Or I said yes to this person's proposal. And I figured this is it. This is, there's not going to be any need for anything else at all. And all of a sudden we get married and then a few years go by and we start to realize, wait a minute, marriage is not what I had thought it was going to be, or it doesn't feel the way I thought it was going to feel, or it doesn't feel anymore the way it felt when we got married. You know, interesting um, situations that can happen to us because why life happens. And all of a sudden we start to realize it might not be the fantasy that it was. And so today we're talking about a case where I had a patient who felt very unfulfilled in her marriage and she'd been married probably for about seven or eight years. Uh, they had three kids. Everything seemed to be perfect on the outside. There was no reason for her to not be happy in her marriage or so it seemed. And then all of a sudden she's telling me, I think I want to get a divorce. You know, I met the spouse, nice guy. We sat down. There was really nothing wrong with him. Um, and in terms of he was there, he was attentive and he wanted to be part of the marriage. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's still feeling like she's unfulfilled. And so one of the things that we talked about after that meeting, when I met her spouse and I talked to her again by herself was she was using marriage as a life goal and not as a participation, shall we say. Um, she wasn't ready to participate in the marriage. She thought that the marriage was going to fulfill her. And this can get very, very tricky. This can happen to any of us or all of us because we see sometimes what are your life goals we say? What is it that you want to do? Well, you know, in my life, I wanted to be a doctor. Okay, so I'm going to go get this degree and this degree is going to work for me, right? So I'm going to go study. I'm going to get my degree. It's going to work for me because I'm going to get a job as a physician. Okay. Or let's say somebody wants to be an engineer. Okay. I'm going to get it. I'm going to be an engineer in this, this degree. I'm going to get my degree in engineering. And this degree has to do something for me because it's my goal towards something greater. So it's not the paper in and of itself. It's what's the job that it's going to give me. Um, and sometimes we treat marriage that way. We think marriage is almost like a degree and we get there, we accomplish it, we check it off. I got married and now it's supposed to do something for me. You know, it's supposed to fulfill me. It's supposed to do something for me. And a lot of times it's very, very easy to treat marriage that way. It's easy to treat it as a goal because in life, sometimes we think, gosh, if you're not married by the time you're X, Y, or Z old, or if you haven't had kids by the time you're a certain age, somehow you failed. And I think that we see that a lot. Uh, in, in women, uh, because they, you know, obviously there's a biological clock and it's telling you, Hey, if you don't have kids by a certain age, you're not going to be able to have kids down the road, men. We don't have that same situation, but we see that as a life goal and we we're racing the clock and we think, God, if I do this by this time, then I'm going to be fulfilled and good. I checked it off. I did the right thing. And that might be true for other things, but when it comes to marriage, that can be a little bit tricky because why, once we get married, if I'm sitting there waiting for marriage to fulfill me or to be greater than me or to give me something back, and I'm just going to sit back and let that happen, that's where we kind of run into problems. That's where we get bored or we realize even if everything is perfect in our marriage, I don't feel fulfilled. Why? Because I checked it off and I think I can walk away from that check now. But what we forget is it's not a degree that's going to work for me. Marriage is something that I decided to go into and I'm going to work for it. I'm going to be participating in the marriage. One of the things that was happening to this patient is that 
she didn't feel fulfilled and she noticed she was the one who was ready to get out, but she was ready to get out because she wasn't in the marriage to begin with. She was checking every, every box off. She had the kids, she had the husband and she had the situation of now what? Now what do I do? Now what can happen in my life to make me happier? How this isn't making me happy. And if we start waiting for marriage to make us happy, that's where we run into problems. We got to ask ourselves, what kind of happiness am I bringing into the marriage? So there's a few reasons that this can happen. And when I was talking to my wife, when she was telling me, um, she was surprised and, and, and sad because in modern day societies, she had a friend actually who, um, it wasn't enough for her to be married. Um, she felt unfulfilled too. She wasn't thinking of divorce. She felt unfulfilled in a different way. She thought, you know, my husband's really nice and whatnot, but, um, I really need a different partner for intimacy, for physical intimacy, because my husband's okay, but I want to experience it in a different way. I don't feel fulfilled in that way. I don't feel somebody else might fulfill me in a different way when it comes to physical intimacy. So, uh, she had this, she has a friend who they decided they're going to open their marriage, as they say, and all of a sudden start to have relationships outside of the marriage. And this is what starts to happen when we start thinking, when we go into something and we think, man, my spouse is going to fulfill everything for me. Um, and they're going to be everything for me. And this is the expectation I have. They are going to fill my voids. And that's where it gets tricky. That's where it gets really hard because one, it's unfair for us to put that on our spouse. Imagine flip it the other way. Imagine if all of a sudden your spouse told you, Hey, you got to fulfill all my needs. You got to fill all my voids. You, this is your job. And in a way it kind of is for each other, but not with that level of expectation. It can't be the, Hey, you got to fulfill my job or you got to fulfill my needs. You have to make me happy. We got to start thinking if we're going to be in a healthy marriage, I want to be happy. I got to find what makes me happy. And I'm going to bring that to the marriage. If I start thinking, well, if the marriage doesn't fulfill me, so I'm going to find some happiness outside of my marriage and then, you know, kind of have my marriage on the side or something else on the side, then we're not leading that Christian sacramental life. Why is my spouse not enough? Why do we run into these situations? Because we didn't put Christ in our marriage first. So let's look at a few top, a few things that can that can lead us to that. That can lead us to having to feeling like my marriage isn't enough or, or my life is not enough. So first, like we were talking about, if you feel unfulfilled in your own life, if you're in your life, you feel like ah something's missing. I am not fulfilled. I am not happy. That's already a dangerous place to walk into a marriage because if I'm feeling I'm not happy and I'm expecting somebody else to make me happy, it's not going to work that way. Imagine it the other way around. If I go into a marriage and that other person says, you have to make me happy. That's a big bill to fill. You know, that's, that's a lot to ask for because all of a sudden, how am I supposed to make it? So if I don't make you happy, I, I, I got to be at your every whim, at your every request. What does that mean to make you happy? Or you know what? I'm going to find my happiness and as Catholics, we've got to find our happiness in Christ. If I start leading a sacramental life, if I'm praying, if I'm trying to make it to heaven, and I think, boy, what I'm going to bring to my family is I'm going to try to make it to heaven. I'm going to bring my family to heaven. I'm never not going to feel fulfilled because my fulfillment comes from Christ. That's where it's got to start. That's what, if you're going to have, if we're going to do a couple of therapy, that's where I wonder where did people get their fulfillment from? That's the first, one of the first things I ask them. If you're waiting for your spouse to fulfill all your goals, that's why you're going to sit there and say, I don't think they're filling my needs. So if you're feeling unfulfilled in your own life, that could be an issue. Oh, one thing that's important to mention about this, this couple, they did not have a, um, they were not Christian. They weren't following and they weren't necessarily atheists. They were just kind of ambivalent, whatever, maybe agnostic. Um, they weren't following a particular religion, you know, the, and when you look at it that way, 
the religion in that sense is that checkoff box. You know, everybody has a religion. I say they don't follow religion. Everybody has a religion, even if you say you're atheist and that's your religion. You're, you, the, the religion is just a set of beliefs that you follow. And so what are the set of beliefs that you follow? You could follow the Buddhist beliefs, the Zen beliefs, the atheist beliefs, the agnostic beliefs. But in, in our world, a lot of times we follow the religion of materialism. So that checkoff box, right? So my, my God is going to be the material stuff or my God is going to be accomplishing all these goals and that's what's going to fulfill me. But, and if that's it, then that's where we kind of run into problems. If we don't have the truth of Christ in our life, if I don't say, look, I got to follow Christ regardless of what box I'm checking off, because the boxes could change, but Christ is constant. That makes a big difference. So the first issue could be you feel unfulfilled in your life. You know, you haven't reached your goals and, you, and you're using marriage as a goal. That's going to make it, it's going to make it so that you're not feeling happy in your marriage. Another issue is that there's unrealistic expectations. And this kind of builds on that. I expect you to make me happy. Um, or I expect you to know what I'm thinking. I expect you to do things a certain way, but I don't necessarily mention it. I wait for you to figure that out. And if you don't do it right, boy, I'm going to be sad because then that means that you truly don't know me or don't love me. Well, we're not all mind readers. You know, we have to sit there and, and learn from each other. I think the unrealistic expectations come from, I stopped learning about my spouse. So again, if there's a checkoff box, I got to switch that. And I got to ask myself, Hey, if there's going to be certain expectations, if I expect something of my spouse, I better learn about them too. I, I want them to learn about me. Why don't we sit down and have a conversation and continue to learn about each other? I think the unrealistic expectations come from when we think we've figured out our spouse, we got married and this is who they are. I figured them out. This is it. This is who they are. I think we got, we sell ourselves short and we sell them short because there has to be growth and maturity in marriage and we grow and mature in different ways at different stages of our lives. We're going to have different goals that we want met at different stages of our lives. And this is, can be the, part of the beauty of marriage that we sit down and talk about, how are you doing today? What are your goals today? Well, you know, last five years, maybe five years ago, you were a different person. Well, what are your goals today? You know, how are you, how are you feeling? Has anything changed for you? How do you feel about just life in general now? You know, what changed in your mind? Like, how do you see our marriage? This is where we get the realistic expectations instead of having people try to be mind readers or read our minds. You know, this happens a lot too. If we, if we're going to look at movies or romance novels or things of that nature, uh, where all of a sudden there's this perfect couple or this man really spent his whole life falling in love with this woman and he would do absolutely anything for her, even give up his life and become poor or something until she was ready to marry him. You know, that's a wonderful fantasy, but does that happen in real life? Not necessarily. And if we expect things like that from each other, eh, we're going to be pretty unfulfilled. You know, that, that can be a, a little bit harsh. Um, another thing that can happen is that sometimes we can have rules in our mind, almost, almost like the expectations, but the rules are a little bit different because rules are, um, we can say unspoken rules. You know, this is the way, these are the rules of the house. This is the way things are supposed to happen. And if it doesn't happen this way, I'm going to be upset. And not necessarily that I expect my, my spouse to know about this, but I'm going to set up these rules and this is the way things have to run in our household. That can be a little bit challenging because what we've got to remember is we're marrying somebody else. So I'm going to come with my own set of rules and they're going to come with their own set of rules. If you look at it that way. Um, and if we aren't open to that, if we're not going to sit down and compromise and listen to what each other's thoughts are on how things should be done, boy, we're always going to run into problems. You know, this is where the truth of respect comes in from each other. I got to hear from my spouse. Look, this is the way I do things. Okay. This is the way 
I, uh, I, it's something as simple as this is the way I load the dishwasher or this is the way I prefer, you know, to stack the, the cups in the cupboard. And if there's a certain rule to that, boy, I've seen couples get upset even just because of that. You know, something as simple as that, it's really irritating to people because there's a lot of emotion that comes with it. You know, this is the way I always did it growing up and this is the way it has to be. Well, guess what? Once we get married and we're going to talk about the Catholic view on marriage and why this is different, all of a sudden those rules, whatever rules we grew up with, they don't necessarily have a, a place in our household unless we decide because this is a brand new household. We're going to have our own rules. This is where the kids are going to see what the rules are. They're going to make up their own rules because mom and dad set them. But that's the key. Mom and dad set them. I hope if you're working together to set those rules in the house or those expectations, those, those boundaries, you know, whether it be as simple as the cupboards or whether it be the way that we speak to each other, or whether the way we choose to handle disagreements, you know, these are the things that we need to sit down and talk about and make sure that we're respecting each other uh, when it comes to those needs. We're going to see that the kids are going to see that. And then we're constantly working towards something. We're not going to no longer feel fulfilled because we actually have a fulfilling job, if you will. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about a couple more points um, in terms of what else can make you feel unfulfilled in your current marriage relationship. And then we're going to come up with some solutions at the end of the show. More on the other side of the break. All right. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about what makes us fulfilled in our marriage, or really, at the end of the day, who eventually makes us fulfilled in our marriage. And that's going to end up being the Catholic Church and Jesus Christ. You've got to bring Christ into the marriage. We're talking about a couple uh, who I had seen. Well, I had seen the, the spouse, the, the wife. Uh, I was helping treat her for mental illness. And one of the things that came up was she was not feeling fulfilled in her marriage. She did not know um, what was going on. She had what appeared to be a perfect life that she was ready to walk away from. Um, We talked about a few things that can make it so that you feel unfulfilled in your marriage. One of them is you're unfulfilled in your own life. You feel like you haven't uh, accomplished things or met your own personal goals. Another one is that we can have unrealistic expectations, especially if we don't communicate those with our spouse. Another thing is that we can set up rules about how things are supposed to be, kind of like the expectations, but a little bit different where we can become rigid in our ways uh, and expect other people to follow that. And there's a couple more things that are important. And these are, these are probably the bigger ones. Um, this is kind of what happens to all of us uh, in relationships, whether we're in marriage or just dating or something along those lines. Um, and one of them is if we don't feel like our emotional needs are met. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky. You know, we can say, oh, he really hurt my feelings or she's really not paying attention to me or they really didn't take my feelings into consideration. Um, you know, they, they said something and they knew that it was going to push my buttons. And that happens all the time. Um, and it's a little bit of a back and forth. Now, what happens when it comes to emotions? This is what I deal with all day, right? In psychiatry, we talk about emotions all the time and how people are feeling, if they're depressed, if they're angry. But we're not talking about clinical um, emotions here in this particular case. When it comes to marriage, we're talking about the everyday emotions that we all feel. So we're all going to feel um, a certain level of, say, anxiety during the day. 
you know, got to get to work on time, got to finish this job, got to finish some homework, got to, you know, get to the grocery store on time. So there's a certain level of anxiety that happens in our lives. There can also be a certain level of depression, if you will, or uh, uh, feeling um, sad. Uh, something didn't happen at work that I was hoping would happen. We feel disappointed. Uh, these are the kind of emotions that we're talking about, but they are the big drivers in our life, not necessarily the clinical depression and clinical anxiety, but the everyday sadness, the everyday disappointment, uh, worries. These are the things that we sometimes rely on our spouse to build up for us. And we expect them to help us feel a certain way. And this is where we say, gosh, we know each other's buttons. And this is true. Now, there's two ends of the story here. Some people will tell you, you know what? At the end of the day, nobody can make you feel anything. You're responsible for your own emotions. You can't blame somebody for the way you feel. And this is true. I tell this to patients all the time, you know, and you'll see a lot of couple counseling when they say, well, you got to use I statements, right? And you can say, I felt angry when you did X, Y, or Z. And so we think that that's really nice because you're no longer saying you did this or you made me feel angry. But at the same time, you're still attaching that emotion. You're, so you're saying, I felt angry because you did this. So what you're really conveying to that person is your actions are going to affect how I feel, which is true to a certain extent. I think we got to look at it from both ends of things. On the one hand, people are not responsible uh, or, you know, other people can't make you feel a certain way. On the other hand, when we're married, we know every little detail about our spouses that I know that if I do something in particular, it can be upsetting to my spouse. So am I responsible for upsetting her? Well, in a certain way, sure, because I know exactly what makes them, what makes my spouse tick. I know that she might not like uh, blue socks for, I'm just making stuff up, you know, she might not like blue socks for whatever reason. But if I go out and I purposely get her a pair of blue socks and she knows that I know that she doesn't like blue socks, then I'm very much giving a very loud message saying, I want you to be upset. That's really what I'm saying. I'm being, I'm being a jerk at that point if I do that, right? So in a way, it's not that, and you know, we can argue and say, well, hey, just because I got blue socks, it doesn't mean you have to be upset. You chose to be upset because of that. That was your choice. At the same time, I also know what the vulnerabilities are. This is where we work together as spouses. So, you know, if you feel like your emotional needs aren't met or you're always relying on your spouse for your emotional needs and they're always hurting your feelings, it's good to take that step back and ask ourselves, am I being too sensitive? Am I relying? Am I putting my emotions? Am I allowing my emotions to be hijacked by whatever my spouse is doing or not doing? Is that really what's happening here? Um, because that happens a lot, you know, oh, you can't do this because that's going to upset me. Or, you know, that when you say that this is upsetting, but to what extent, you know, is it, is it to the extent that all of a sudden my, my spouse can't function because everything they do is upsetting because every time they say something, it's upsetting to me. That can be a hard way to live. This is where I would tell that person, Hey, you might need to rein in those emotions a little bit. Okay. At the same time, if they say, look, there's only a few things that upset me and my spouse is doing that on purpose because they know that that's just how I function as human beings. That's how we tick, right? There are certain things that are upsetting to us or certain things that aren't. And some of those don't even make sense. You know, it might not make sense to anybody else. This is the beauty of having a spouse who you can, who you can trust and rely on. You can let them know, look, this is the silliest thing in the world, but it does upset me. And I'm letting you know this because I'm vulnerable with you and I'm letting you know exactly what's going to uh, hurt my feelings or what's going to upset me. You know, it's not everything in life. It's just a few certain things. Are you going to then as a spouse who knows that, 
Are you going to try to lift up your spouse and use that weakness and make it a strength for them? Or are you going to use it against them? And that's where it can get a little bit tricky because yes, on the one hand, my spouse can't rely on me at all times to be happy. They can't say, well, everything you're doing is upsetting me. On the other hand, I also have to be there and you have to make sure that when you get married or you're, when you're dating somebody or something along those lines, that they care about your feelings and that they care enough to know that there's a few things that you're vulnerable to or you're sensitive about and that they're not going to use that against you. That's the key. That's the balance of the, of the good relationship. But again, if like this uh, person who I was counseling, if you think that all your emotions are going to be met by checking off your life's boxes and that your spouse and your kids and the nice car and the nice house and the very stable life is it for you and that that's what's going to make you emotionally happy, you're probably going to find yourself just like this lady. You're going to find yourself more than anything else probably bored. You know, I checked off my list and there, there's nothing exciting anymore. The excitement was checking off my list and now I ran out of checks. Okay, so that could be one thing. The other thing could be, you know, I'm not, I didn't put on that checkoff list, contribute to my marriage. I didn't put on my checkoff list, um, find out what my spouse likes. I didn't put on that checkoff list, you know, what can I do to make the kids happier? How can I, you know, can I plan an adventure for the family? Something, it could, an adventure it could be something simple as, hey, let's go to the park. You know, it doesn't have to be anything big. The question is, what is it that I'm going to find fulfillment in? And if it's always these big life goals that society's telling us we have to accomplish, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough because we're, I think we're, at, we're always going to end up disappointed. You know, we're always going to be um, in, a, in a challenging uh, situation where we're going to get to the point where we're no longer excited about life in general. It's not even the, the marriage. I mean, for this lady, she ended up staying in the marriage, which was good. But had she walked away from this marriage because she felt unfulfilled, I pretty much guarantee you she would have been in another relationship and she would have repeated that cycle because her idea of relationships was how can I fulfill myself through a relationship versus how can I contribute to the relationship? Now, the last point I'd want to make in terms of feeling unfulfilled in relationships, and it goes hand in hand with all of this with the emotional component is, do I, what do I focus on from my marriage? What do I focus on in terms of my family, in terms of my spouse, in terms of my relationship? Well, Dr. Samba, what do you mean by that? What do you mean, what do I focus on? This is how you know. When you're having conversations with your friends or with somebody else, what is it that you say about your marriage? And in particular, what do you say about your spouse? You know, do you sit down and have lunch with your friends and talk about, throw your spouse under the bus and talk about how they're inadequate, how they don't listen to you, how they don't pay attention to what you're doing, how you feel so unappreciated because you do so much, but they never appreciate you. Okay, so that could be one way to look at it, and that's a rough way to be married because that's just telling me that's what I'm going to focus on. You know, I focus on the negative. Well, if somebody focuses on my negatives, there's plenty there to focus on. I'm sure we could talk for weeks about my negatives, um, but how fruitful is that conversation? You know, I can focus on anybody's negatives. Now, if I'm at the point where I've checked off my boxes and I want my marriage to be positive, the real question is, can I find the positives in my marriage? Or am I allowing myself to find out what is positive in my marriage? If I'm not, then that's something I, I need to look at. If I'm sitting down with my friends and all I'm saying is, oh, my spouse is this bad or that bad, or this is what's wrong in my marriage. Well, that's telling me what's going on inside of you. How, when was the last time you sat down with your friends and said, you know what? Let me tell you what's really nice about this person. Let me tell you what they do really well. Let me tell you what I don't find frustrating about them. Or on the other hand, what I really appreciate about them think that once we start bringing that kind of perspective into the marriage of, well, 
this is my situation. This is who I married. These are my kids. This is my life. Let me find out what's positive about it. I think in this particular patient's life, one of the challenging things is that all the, there was so much, shall we say, positive that was there that it was actually hard to see what was actually positive. You know, we see positive, she was looking at in her life, everything that was positive was a material good. So it was all about the material. It was all about, I have the right car, I have the right house, I have a spouse, you know, and I have children. So according to society, I have a very positive life. Well, it's easy to be positive materially, but if that were it, then how come there's so many divorces from people who are very well off? Obviously the material goods wasn't enough to keep them together. What we need to start to focus on is, what do I have in my marriage? Is my spouse faithful to me? Do they care about me? Are they present? Do they love me? Are they ever funny? Do they ever do something that I think, huh, that was interesting. If we can start thinking in that fashion, if we can start looking at things in that way, start looking at the positive things, even if it's the most simple of things. Hey, guess what? They mowed the lawn today or they kept they, somebody, the kids cleaned their room today. That was pretty good. You know, we start with the small things. Guess what? I bet you, you're going to start to feel much more fulfilled because you're going to want to bring positivity. And in fact, the things you're going to want to fix, it's not because they're negative. You know, it's, it's easy to say, well, look at all the bad stuff around us. I need to fix this or my spouse needs to fix that because that's bad. It's more if I come from a different perspective. And this is what I had to tell this lady. I said, go into your household. She's sitting in the marriage and I said, go into your household. Think of all the positive things you want to be happening instead of focusing on what you think might be negative. Think of the positive things that are happening in your household or that which you want to see in a positive light and start making that happen or make a list of this is what I want to see happening positive. We've got to come in from that positive end of things. It's very easy to look at the negative and to say, you know what, you know, my marriage is just unfulfilling. You know, that my needs aren't met emotionally. They can't read my mind. They don't even know what I want. Um, you know, and really I feel unfulfilled versus saying, well, let's look at what I do have and let's start working with that. I guarantee you, we start looking at the positive and things will definitely, definitely change for the better. When we come back from the break, we're going to see why is it that we need Christ in our marriage and how that can help us focus on the positive. More on the other side of the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Dr. Lee Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we're talking about a few things that are important in terms of relationships and marriage and what can make it feel like we are no longer fulfilled. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about marriage. We talked about a couple who I was seeing and I thought it was an interesting case because not only did the person have everything that you anybody would imagine that they needed to have as far as the material goods, a home, cars, good career, family, kids, um, you know, all that was, was done and it was accomplished and that was a great goal to accomplish. And at that point, all of a sudden feeling like, you know, my life isn't fulfilled. I don't, I don't know what else I need. I need something outside of this. That's the hard part uh, when it comes to really focusing our fulfillment on the material goods, on the checkoff boxes. Um, and then that's when we don't include Christ in our marriage. And why is it different from a Catholic perspective? Well, let's look at what the catechism has to say about marriage. This is important. Let's go, you know, it's always good to start with our, 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 our catechism, our faith. And what does the faith tell us? This is important. The first thing is, this is Article 7 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Nothing uh, nothing extraordinary other than the Catechism, uh, which is extraordinary in and of itself. Sacrament of Matrimony. The matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature 
order toward the good of the spouses and procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. Here's the deal. Everything in that first paragraph, this is paragraph 1601, um, you know, it sounds pretty, you know, hum, humdrum, like, yeah, of course, that's what I expect the church to say. You know, the matrimonial covenant, man and a woman, partnership of whole life, order toward the good. It sounds kind of like, yeah, this is what I hear in my everyday um, catechism, or what I heard in school, if you went to Catholic school, or what you would expect. It's order towards the good. Now, the important part, I think, that the most important part that we miss sometimes is the very, very last sentence. This covenant between ba- between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. That's the part where we kind of forget what's going on because it's easy for us. We say, oh, you got to live a sacramental life. You know, what does that mean? Oh, you got to live a sacramental life. Oh, yeah, yeah. it means that you got to go to mass, right? You got to receive communion. And oh, you better go to confession, you know. And we say that a lot of times where it's like, you got to live a sacramental life as though those were the only two sacraments that were that, you know, existed. Oh, how do I live the sacramental life? Well, I go to confession. I go, I receive the Eucharist. Okay, great. Now, assuming that we're Catholics here, that we grew up Catholic, that we were baptized. Well, that was a checkoff box. We get baptized, we get baptized once. Okay. You know, and then if we had our confirmation, we get confirmed, we get confirmed one time. Okay. So that's already four sacraments that we're fulfilling there. All right. So we've got Baptism, we've got confirmation. Those are those are one-offs. And then we've got communion and confession. Okay, great. Now, if I die, I definitely want a priest to come in and give me the anointing of the sick. Okay, that's five sacraments. Um, and then, you know, some people, when we're in church and we go to receive communion and, and we go to confession, well, we've got to go to a priest, right? There's holy orders. So we, we always imagine these sacraments, the sacraments that are very important, and we look at, oh, the priesthood, oh, we hold it in such high reverence. And of course, communion, confession, we already make sure you're baptized, make sure, make sure that you got your confirmation. But we sometimes, I think, forget about marriage in society, at least the way I've seen things. And if you think differently, feel free to let me know, you know, feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Give me your ideas on this because this is important. You know, we forget what it means to raise the, that Jesus Christ, Christ the Lord, raised this raised marriage to the dignity of a sacrament. So when I look at a priest and I hold them in reverence and I say, oh, he's received holy orders. He represents Christ. When I go before the Eucharist to a holy hour or I'm praying before the Eucharist, the tabernacle, I think Christ is there. This is a sacrament. This is the true presence of Christ. When I go to confession, I think, ah, I need to go to confession. And even though I tell the priest my sins, I know that Christ gave him the power to forgive my sins. So it's Christ forgiving my sins really more than anything else. When I think about marriage, do I think about it the same way? Do I see a couple walking down with their kids or coming into church with their kids? And I, do I look at that family structure and use and have that reverence of a sacrament? When I see them sitting there and realizing, wow, that's, that right there is a sacrament. That's a living representation of Christ, the husband, the wife, and the kids, as much as a priest walking into a room. You know, a priest walks into the room and there's a lot of reverence. Why isn't there that same reverence when a family walks into the room? A family walks into the room, we should hold back and and think a little bit and realize there should be some reverence there. This is the walking sacrament of Christ, which tells me that the sacraments should be very much part of our everyday life miracles. And if we were to look at marriage that way again and realize, hey, we are a sacrament. If I look at my spouse and realize we're a sacrament, you and I are the living representations of Christ by the way that we live our relationship, this is where we've got to bring Christ into it. 
This is where our fulfillment comes, not from the material checkoff box. There's no longer a checkoff box there. It's just our presence, our existing, our being married together. We are already a sacrament. This is where the reverence comes in. This is where I, I come into my household. If I ever feel unfulfilled, something in my mind is where my spouse is not enough. Yeah, that's true. My spouse is not going to be enough until I think of my marriage as a sacrament because now I have to be the representation of Christ. So I better bring Christ into this marriage and figure out how I'm going to do that. That's what's going to fulfill our marriage. That's what's going to fulfill our marriage as Catholics to say, hey, the way we treat each other, this is where there, there can't be any any rudeness or can't be any putting down my spouse because every time I put down my spouse, I'm putting down Christ. Every time I don't find the positivity in my spouse, I'm saying, you know, Christ doesn't live in this marriage. Oh, my spouse is so this or that. I go talk to other people. I don't need to bring my marriage down to the, you know, in in the eyes of other people. I need to actually recognize what's positive in my marriage and realize how are we being more Christ-like. So let's look at the next part of the catechism. It says marriage and God's plan. So this is paragraph 1602. It says, sacred scripture begins with the creation of man and woman in the image and likeness of God and concludes with a vision of the wedding feast of the lamb. So again, this is, this is a Christ giving, us, giving himself to us on the cross and giving himself to us in communion is really the representation of the marriage between man and wife of fully giving to each other. It'd be the equivalent of me putting down my spouse. It'd be the equivalent of me going to communion and be like, you know, Christ just... Gosh, he's always leaving me hanging. He's always leaving me behind. I go receive communion. Ugh, I just can't, you know, I don't know about this relationship. I want out. This is what happens to us. This is what happens to us when we leave the church, when we start forgetting that Christ fulfills us. It's the equivalent when we're married. If I start worrying about is Christ fulfilling me, the real thing I have to ask myself is what am I bringing to this marriage? What am I bringing to the mass? Am I bringing all my hopes, dreams, my sins, my everything to the mass and saying, God, this is me right here. I want you to fix me. There's, that's the only thing. You're the only one who can be, who can fulfill my life. That's what I need to bring to my marriage. Once I've done that, then I can come to my marriage and ask my, ask my spouse, what can I do for you today? How can I help your day be better? That's really where I'm going to be fulfilled. Believe it or not. A lot of times in modern society, they're going to tell us, you know, that's, oh, it's like you're a slave. You're not supposed to be submissive to your spouse either way. You know, the man's not supposed to be submissive. The woman's not supposed to be submissive. Actually, we're we're supposed to be serving each other. If we're supposed to love each other, you know, the man, the head of the household is, you know, as as St. Paul tells us, you know, women obey your spouses, but men love your spouse the way Christ loved the church. When the way Christ loved the church, if, if the man's the head of the household, you know, and, and he's got to love his spouse the way Christ loved the church, yeah, we can say God gave himself and, and died for the church, so I got to be ready to die for my spouse. But God, when he came to earth as Christ, Christ came to serve us. Christ didn't come to lord over us. He came to heal, to heal us, to serve us, to bring us to see what we needed. When was the last time I went home and asked my spouse, hey, what do you need today? What can I do for you today? What's, you know, what's out of, what's out of control in our day today that we can fix together here? And I think we have to do that mutually. If we do that, we will never not be fulfilled because the other way, the checkbox is the other way around. Then we're asking, what are you doing for me? Right? And that's, that's where I'm going to never be fulfilled because I can ask that of the world. What are you doing for me? If I make myself the center, I'm never going to be fulfilled. I'm never going to fill that empty void where we're going to get our fulfillment is by serving each other. Let's see what the rest of the, um, of the paragraph says. Scripture speaks throughout of marriage and its mystery, its institution, and the meaning God has given it. 
its origin and its end, its various realizations throughout the history of salvation, the difficulties arising from sin and renewal in the Lord and the covenant of Christ and the church. Notice they're making marriage the covenant of Christ and the church. Marriage, it was the first thing that happened. This is the way scripture starts. It starts with a marriage and it ends with the feast of the lamb, the marriage feast to the lamb. We eventually have to marry God. We eventually have to marry our Lord. We have to accept him. As we say, we are the, the church is the bride of Christ. Then we have to be ready to be fulfilled by Christ. We have to be ready to bring everything we have to Christ. I think this is what's going to fulfill our marriages. In this, uh, in this couple that I was talking to and this lady that I was helping out, you know, the husband seemed to be in it, that he seemed to be part of the marriage and he seemed to be fulfilled by it because he was coming in and she's saying that he was always attentive. He was playing with the kids. He was attentive to her. And I think that he was getting fulfilled that way, not because men are better than women. There's not a man-woman issue. It's more of who is doing what in terms of giving themselves to the sacrament. And he was really doing that. You know, he was, he, he was very satisfied with, you know, we, he said, we've already accomplished, well, I, I don't need to accomplish anything materially. I want my marriage to be good. I want to hang out with my family. I want to be there for my kids. That's what I think about. And she was in a different place. Now this can happen to the man or to the, you know, to the husband or to the, or to the wife, the man or the woman. If you're in a different place where you feel like, no, there's got to be more, I've got to accomplish more materially. And you're always going to feel a lack of fulfillment right? That that's, void is never going to be filled. But if all of a sudden we come from that perspective of, hey, what can I do for the marriage? What am I going to bring to it? We're never going to stop wanting to do that. Here's an interesting one. Marriage in the order of creation. This is the next paragraph in the catechism. The intimate communion of life and love, which constitutes the married state, has been established by the creator and endowed by him with its own proper law. God himself is the author of marriage. And that right there is the key. God is the one who made marriage. This is where it's elevated to the level of a sacrament. And so if God made marriage, we have to bring God into the equation. We have to bring Christ into the equation. I didn't make marriage. I didn't, I married my spouse and she married me, but I didn't make the sacrament of marriage. It'd be like the equivalent of somebody trying to say, oh, we're going to change a different sacrament. We're going to change the sacrament of communion. We're no longer going to make it with bread and wine. We're going to make it with something else. No, we can't. This was ordered by God. This is the way Christ set it up. Can't change it. This is, it's God's law. It's the final law. It's the same thing with marriage. God gave us marriage. He gave us the vocation of marriage. He made it a sacrament. Boy, the more that we give into marriage, the more that I give of myself to the marriage, the happier and more fulfilled I'm going to be. At the end of the day, what the way it comes down to, for me to be able to do that is I got to bring Christ into it because I'm not perfect. My spouse is not perfect, but we're going to have to pray together. We're going to have to say, Hey, how can we be there for each other so that our marriage can look a lot more like a sacrament, like a living expression of Christ on earth. That's a big responsibility to take. That's a big responsibility to take on. Well, that's the end of our show. We're coming to the end here. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for me in terms of marriage, couples counseling, or anything at all, feel free to email me, Dr. Sandoval. It's drpr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Until next time, let's keep thinking Catholic so that we can live Catholic and be Catholic. And at the end of the day, we can keep it Catholic. We'll see you here next week on the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show.